0: Do you have a client-based business that needs streamlining? Acuity Scheduling, a Squarespace company, is a scheduling tool you never know you needed, but you always wanted. No more mixing up time zones for remote meetings, reduce your no-show appointments, and keep everything organized in one hub. We here at Popner Lounge are avid users of Acuity Scheduling and a proud affiliate. Sign up for Acuity Scheduling today. Visit the link in this episode's blog post to sign up for an account. Welcome to Popner Lounge, the podcast for the creative soul. I'm your host, Steph Pham. Thank you for tuning in to another conversation with a fellow creative. If you want to follow more conversations like these, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. This week's guest is Malcolm McRae from the duo, Moore. Moore, a duo consisting of Malcolm and his partner, Kane Rochette, has been dominating the rock and roll scene in LA by painting their own sonic signature a melodic guitar and witty lyrics. They released their debut EP, One Out of Two, earlier this year. Malcolm and I chat about the duo, how they came to be, and we talk about their music. This is Malcolm McRae. Welcome to Pop Nerd Lounge. My guest today is Malcolm McRae. For more, Malcolm, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks so much. You have a great voice for this.
0: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Now we have to acknowledge that your partner of the group cannot be with us but we are excited to chat with you and about the group and about your musical journey and so thank you so much for being here
1: of course yeah
0: how did you get your start in music
1: me personally um i grew up in the south so i was doing actually i was doing church choir which seems cliche maybe it's like out of forrest gump or something (laughs) but but i was doing church choir and i did school choirs and then I think my brother started playing guitar and I wanted to be like my brother. So I started playing guitar and then maybe, I'd only written maybe three, three songs or so by the time I was 18 and I went to school for something different, but I'd always had this deep connection with music and I just felt like the thing that I was studying maybe had a bit of a ceiling and I just wanted to try music. So it was more of, it was like a quarter life crisis kind of situation where I was like, oh shit, I got to go do something i want to do
0: (laughs) i understand what did you study if you don't mind me asking
1: i studied architecture
0: really okay my sister for a bit she studied architecture for a little bit too really yeah and then she got into environmental design after that because i yeah i don't think she linked up with architecture but she found her groove in environmental design but that's really interesting
1: fantastic is that like landscape oriented
0: I think it is. I think it is. I wasn't a hundred percent sure what or city it was,
1: planning or something.
0: City, Yeah. I think more city planning, making things like sustainable and just like in that area. I think that's what she was studying, but yeah, that's, it's really interesting. And, and it's, I love that you took that, but you went into a creative direction as well and you followed your heart to music. Absolutely love that about your journey. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what did you, did you, did you study?
0: Yes, I went to, so I went to college for journalism and I wanted to be like a female Jimmy Fallon. I wanted to be a talk show host, but of course I'm still here, which I love. I am a video production technician for a school district by day. And I consider this like my night gig or podcasting side hustle to get me to where I am going. But yeah, I I totally understand what it's like to study something a little bit different from what you're intending to. And yeah, I love when people are like, you know what, I'm going to go. for whatever my heart like really desires and what whatever like, i really connect with that's the reason why we created the show too, absolutely to find people like that
1: that's so, fantastic and who's the partner
0: my partner in the show her name is uh, mm. vanessa shout out to vanessa she goes by v and she lives in singapore and wow. we right insane we met on twitter like 10 years ago but yeah we linked that's up amazing Um, we're huge music fans and so we like geeked out on music we geeked out on television for a little bit too and we just decided hey there needs to be a safe space for creatives to talk about their journey and how they can inspire others to follow their dreams because I feel as creatives we get into the space where they're like you know what people doubt us people they don't think that we can do what we do as a living and we're going to prove them wrong and that's why we created the show yeah so, uh, speaking of partnerships, how did you and Kane meet, and how did that partnership form?
1: We met through a mutual friend of ours. I think he's a close friend of mine. This guy that introduced us, but to Kane, he was a peripheral kind of figure. Who we'd see. It. We always went to the same bar called La Foubelle on Franklin Avenue, and in, in French, that means the trash can. It's actually we like the spot, but it stinks a little bit. It's, it's, it's like the wood is soaked in all the alcohol. But we would actually hang there all the time. We just didn't know each other. And so we were introduced to each other and we started writing music that same week. And we were just like, wow, this, this seems to, to work really well. So it was at a bar. It was like that story that you don't want. We're, you don't want to meet your wife at a bar, but you'll meet your, your musician partner at a bar.
0: And how did you guys land on the name Moore for your duo?
1: I think Kane's girlfriend at the time was looking for inspiration from movie posters because she was developing a screenplay. And I think it was nearing the final rounds of that. And I'm not sure, maybe she was involved in the creative or something. But so she had all these movie posters sent to her and Kane scrolled through and saw a movie by the name of Moore. From 1967, and it was soundtracked by Pink Floyd, and we just liked the entire vibe. And we were like, "Wow, there's no way we were throwing a noun around the na- other names, all of which would have been probably more Googleable." But we just liked—I don't know. There's something egotistical about naming your project more, as if you're, as if you're declaring that you're here to present more. But the fact that it's written out and not, it's not capitalized. I don't know. It just seems like there's this odd dichotomy. Is this egocentric or not? We just liked the one word more. I don't know. So we just ripped it. We just copped it from that that movie poster. We just liked it.
0: I like that because it could take on multiple meanings, like you were saying. It could take on multiple meanings depending on who listens and how they interpret the name. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. 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 And we were listening to bands like Yes and like Squeeze and Can, so they were all one word bands. And there's, I don't know, there were all these bands coming out, like the Lemon Twigs and all these bands that sounded very bandy. And we were just wanted something that didn't sound like a band.
0: Did you ever have one of those distinct moments where you're like, oh my gosh, you're in the music business when, like those, you're Angelino when, like one of those moments? I can't
1: say. I've never toured, I've never gone on the road. So I'm sure that will be one of those moments. But are you meaning in terms of like celebrity encounters or something?
0: Um, I guess, sure. Like, like that could you're be.
1: in the business, you're in sure. this realm of
0: things? Sure. Or like when people use that phrase, you're in an Angelina when, like they, they had maybe like they, they saw a landmark or they like when you had this specific drink or something like that. So is there some kind of instance in the music industry that kind of determines like, oh, this is how you know you're in the business?
1: That's a good question. I don't even know if I would call myself a musician, really. So it's, I find that that's a difficult thing to call myself because being in Los Angeles around these incredibly talented musicians who really know their instruments super well, it just feels a little bit false to be like, yes, I'm a great guitar player when I'm really not. I like writing songs and I like performing, and I think I can do those relatively well. You're a musician when I don't know. When you play a shitty bar, you're trying to find your legs. I think that might be it. Our first couple of shows, we had uh, we we were trying to understand how we how we could perform the show as a duo. So we took we did the old two acoustic guitar thing at this club called Club TG, and it was a uh, just this bar, and I think maybe six people were there. It was pretty grim, but I think that's I think that's a pretty standard thing. To do as a musician. So,
0: yeah, everybody has those like those, your first moments or whatever, like in the industry, like getting your feet wet and your, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody has their start somewhere. Something that stuck out in your bio that was interesting to me because it sounded so poetic was that instruments were passed like joints and each song became an atlas. What made the partnership flow so effortlessly?
1: We worked with a guy named uh, Tony Berg who is. We love the man very much. He's like, uh, he's known as a guru out in Los Angeles, definitely. And he very much enjoys taking bands that uh, have just been created and helping to guide them to find their sound. So we're extremely appreciative to him for that. And being in the studio with him, he's a fantastic musician. Kane's a fantastic musician. And I can play a few things. So we would just whatever the song needed, we would all just have our turn with whichever instrument we thought might sound interesting on it. So we would literally pass the guitar and be like, actually, I think I have the part and I could go like this or whatever. So it was just, it was very, it was incredibly fun, I think. And a huge educational experience for all of us, Kane and myself, at least. You
0: guys released your first EP this year, one of two. What was it like releasing that body of work into the world?
1: I don't know. I don't know. It's felt normal, but I know under these circumstances with Corona, it's definitely not. I don't know. I guess it'll feel more strange to release something under normal circumstances. Won't it? Because like right now it feels like I don't have to leave my house. It's nice. <laughs> so I don't mind that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's felt really nice. It's nice to get these songs. That have been floating around for so long two years because we've just been listening to them thousands of times, just mixing and and making these songs so it's nice to to at least have them be listened to a little bit
0: and and what kind of feedback has that been like since it, you you released it in kind of unprecedented circumstances? What was it like hearing the feedback from like listeners who digested your album?
1: Oh, it's been really positive, I think. Either people uh, genuinely really like it or they're really good at at saying that they like it. And then those that don't, that's fine. I I understand that. So it doesn't really bother me. Like releasing something to the public, I thought I might get a little bit like riled up by, by trolls or something on the internet, but it's really been, I don't really care. It's really been nice. And the overall feedback has been really positive. So it's, it's been like, pretty affirming in general.
0: I love your song, Elaborate Attractions. Can you tell me a little bit about the story behind the track?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. First of all, that song is a song I wrote about my father. Tony showed us this quote by a Norwegian playwright named Henrik Ibsen, who said something along the lines of, I can't even remember the quote, so that's embarrassing. But it's not based on this quote, it's just it it explains the lyrical message a little better. It's something along the lines of having the sins of the father be visited upon the children. And so, I think this song revolves around that concept in that my father had some struggles and I was just wondering if that will inherently be passed to me or if that's something that I can curb.
0: I like that. I like that. It's, we all deal with generational tropes. And so it's nice to unpack that and wonder, am I going to get that trait of my parent? Or am I going? is it going to be passed down to me? Yeah. Or am I going to break a cycle? Or yeah, it's interesting to ponder upon that.
1: I like or that. is it, I guess it's that whole question of nature versus nurture in a way. Yeah. yeah. And especially in a time like now, it's very politically charged. You can sense that in a way, like your grandparents' generation, even if they were progressive, it might seem like they're not so much anymore. So it's always interesting to think from that perspective as well. Eventually, our viewpoints will seem maybe conservative. I hope not, but maybe, I don't know.
0: What song off the EP were you most proud of writing? Off this EP? Yeah.
1: There's a song on the next one that I think might be the the one I'm most proud about in general of the 10 songs, but off this EP, I think I wrote a song called Settled In with, with a woman named Bianca Alatori, who I was dating at the time, and we wrote that at two or three in the morning one one morning. And I was proud of that because I had come out to Los Angeles with No Real Plan, and that was one of the first songs. I had written after declaring myself that I wanted to to try to be a musician and a songwriter. I felt like after doing that, it was a possibility. So that gave me some drive.
0: And how has this year influenced you musically?
1: Oh, I've been listening to a lot of music with no lyrics. So I've been listening to a lot of Bach, a lot of Brian, and then a lot of hip hop influence or the music that inspired hip-hop so a lot of prince and recently d'angelo's black messiah sly and the family stone so i like actually the most yeah i've been listening to the music without words a lot because i feel like a lot's being said and i don't know maybe there's a sense that i feel um confined physically to a space and i and instrumental music feels more expansive in a way
0: it does like you can create your own story from whatever you're listening to rather than hear the story in lyrics you can create your own imagination your own story within like an instrumental track absolutely and i can't believe we're already here like we're already on my final question but for my final question what
1: advice would you give to aspiring musicians out there Uh, I think you just have to do it. You have to do it daily. It has to be treated as if it's a, as if it's your job because it is. Um, and if you don't treat it that seriously, then, uh, the progress won't come to you. So at least in my situation, and tell me if, if this is accurate for you, I, I attempt to do something every day and I'm at my happiest when I have a schedule to do that. You know what I mean? So I'll wake up, I'll have my coffee um, I just started me- meditating recently, so I'll do a meditation, and then I'll try to sit down and write music for three hours, at least daily. You know what I mean? So, you just have to have a time to do it. Is that is that? Do do you agree with that?
0: Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, like for me, I feel bad because I've fallen off the wagon a couple of weeks, but uh, for now, but I used to like was religious to my bullet journal, and I would write like tasks that I need to do. And that was my creative outlet too. Cause I could draw these spreads and not only that, but like, it also was like, Hey, if you want to do a creative project, you could make TikToks. You can do this. You can learn dances. But yeah. It was really like for me doing something creative sparks my energy. It, it, it was such an invigorating thing. And I have to do something creative daily like you, like it, it just keeps your energy up. It just, it, it feels like it feels your passion. I a hundred percent agree with that.
1: Yeah. Do you see TikToks and Instagrams as being creative outlets?
0: I, yeah, I like originally I didn't think they were, <laughs> but as soon as like I got down the rabbit hole, I've been doing like acting challenges on there. I've been learning some dances, Poorly. like i can't dance well but i've been learning dances and just doing fun little things just flex those creative muscles a little bit because some people they just do it for fun some people like it's their world they're in that social media but like for me i just it's a mixture of both this doing something for fun but also challenging myself to be creative
1: yeah <laughs> so you would you would you would say that a tiktok is a piece of art i think it might be
0: in a way yeah like a I,
1: meme or something yeah I think there's some artistry to all that
0: well Malcolm, this has been an absolutely wonderful chat. Why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners where they can connect with you, with Kane, and with the duo, and yeah, where they can find your music and everything.
1: You can find us on um, any streaming platform. So if you have Spotify or Apple or Amazon Music or Tidal, whichever, uh, you can find us on YouTube. We're called More. You might have to type in our band name and then the name of a song. We're not easily searchable. (laughs) You can find us on Instagram at more.mp3.
0: Well, Malcolm, thank you so much for chatting with me. This has been such a pleasure. Special thanks to Malcolm McRae for being today's guest. The thing I took away from our conversation is that he fully committed to his dream of music. Some of us might have a plan B, but honestly, if you want to pursue your passion and you want to go after your dreams, you just have to fully take that jump. To find out more about Malcolm and his duo more, visit the links in the show notes. Popner Lounge is a two-man operation, rather I should say two-woman operation. It is executive produced by Steph Pham and Vco Vico serves as the show's creative director, and Steph Pham is the show's host and editor. You can find us on social media at Popner Lounge. For an easy, convenient hub of everything Popner Lounge, visit our website, popnerlounge.com. That's it for this week. Tune in next time for another conversation with a fellow creative. I'm Steph Favre.